0: Rand International.
1: Stronger than ever.
0: Inflatables. Play balls. Pools. Ride ons. Backyard fun.
1: Look for other fun products by Rand International. Available everywhere. Let's hear Marvel, Marvel Heroes trademark at 2010 Marvel Enterprises LLC and its subsidiaries. Licensed by Marvel Characters B.V. www.marvel.com. All rights reserved.
0: Marvel!
1: Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack,
0: where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer,
1: analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol
0: i am jeff and i'm rick daddy it's true i'm different from you but tell me why do they random like this if you turned away what would i say not the first bantered by a kiss random banter time buddy talk to me tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today that
1: really is kind of creepy I'm pretty sure it's got something to do with our book, something about
0: daddy, but... It's going to be tricky. It'll be a tricky one. I I, I I can give you a hint. I don't think I know it. I don't think I know it. The song's name is We Exist. Okay. And the band's name is Arcade Fire.
1: Ah, okay, okay. I do like Arcade Fire, but I'm not enough familiar with
0: their work, so... Yep, I just said We Exist. I'm like, Arcade Fire, gotta have that. Okay, I go through the song list, and I'm like, ooh, We Exist. Like Franklin and Leech. They exist, darn it. They exist, Reed. No Pay attention they... to your children, Reed. No, they don't. They don't exist.
1: <laughs> they aren't smart like his other kids. It's no, true. No. Uh, no. Other than that, at had a pretty good couple of weeks, I guess. At the beginning of this two-week time period between our two recording sessions, I went to Rose City Comic Con and I saw a mess of different people.
2: Mm-hmm. including,
1: for our enjoyment's sake, Hillary Barda, who was not supposed to be there, but he was in town, has actually been in town for a couple weeks now, and unfortunately I haven't yep. had a chance to see him outside of Rose City, yep. but him and his girlfriend came, and Hero Initiative got him and his girlfriend tickets into the show, That was on Sunday. I knew he was going to be there, so I brought a stack of books for him to sign, and he was more than happy to do so. It was really wonderful to meet him in person. I was very, very happy that that occurred. So I had a great time at the show overall. I had a great time talking to a lot of my favorite artist and my, a lot of my favorite creators I saw Mark Russell, got him to sign a stack full of books as well a lot of just great people there, of course I saw Ruth and Darren Sutherland because they're awesome, I saw mm-hmm. some close friends of mine, Rob Earhart Tracy, his wife, and their friends I ran into Allison, of Allison and Andy, ran into her and her son, we saw them, and just had a very pleasant time, and of course I big shout out to Colin Stapleton and he's amazing, he's awesome he let me crash at the hero initiative booth i I helped him out a couple times i actually did a sale at the hero initiative booth (laughs) but i also was able to hang out there drop off my stuff there so it was just a very very pleasant and nice time
0: that is super awesome i'm glad that you got to get a little FaceTime with hillary i think that's really cool when i saw that he was coming into town i'm like oh that's really cool and then i saw colin going hey i can get you and your other uh past to the show, come over and he's like, "Okay," and I'm like, "Dude, hey Rick, <laughs> combo this up, make that happen for you." Yep. So yeah, I've been watching Hillary's tour through Portland area doing stuff, and I'm like, "Yeah, I go there, I go there." And I'm like, "Where's he eating? Where's that place? I have never had that food." I got you some kind of like, oh, I gotta make a little list of uh, Barta food places and check yeah. those out sometimes.
1: A little too comfortable sometimes. There's some great food here in Portland. There's some great places to go. Get a little too much in the rut of, well, let's go and get something to eat at a place I know I enjoy, and I don't yeah, get out and explore enough beyond that.
0: So many people do that, though, where it's just like you go, oh, you have this excessive scene of food, and it's great. But, like, when I lived in Vancouver, people would go, oh, there's this great Mexican place in Portland. I'm like, or I could go five minutes down the street and go to a really good Mexican place. Yeah, you start going to the places that you know that you like.
1: You you get used to it, and so you don't get to explore enough. And I need to do the same thing. I need to go and explore more, too, so... That's the big thing for me, besides you know work and stuff. And now that I spent mm-hmm. a lot of money at the comic con, I gotta actually work and you know, make some money. Arr,
0: lame. Yeah. I've been watching Moon Knight. Oh, you finally caught up with that. Cool. I, not caught up, but I'm catching into. I'm uh, like <laughs> three or four episodes in and uh, enjoying it. Really like it. I could see why your family checked out pretty quick on that. But
1: yeah, yeah. It wasn't quite their cup of tea. Contrarily, they have been really enjoying She-Hulk.
0: So, Yeah, She-Hulk's great, too. Been yeah. totally up on that. I was like, okay, I'm, I got a little free time. I'm going to... I think She-Hulk will be a nice little aperitif. I can get into that and then I'll get back in when I get a little more time on the chunker ones. So I got to get into Moon Knight, you know, so enjoy Moon Knight. And then after that, it will be Marvel girl yeah, or Miss Marvel. No, you got to watch
1: Miss Marvel. Uh, Very much, very much watch Miss Marvel because Miss Marvel is all about the kids and
0: Guess what? This comic book
1: is also about the kids as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Lots of kids. So many kids.
1: But before we get to that, how about you give me a two-sentence replay of last episode?
0: The Fantastic Four have invited a number of gifted children to take up residence within the Baxter Building, including a quartet of evolved Moloids, the mutants Artie and Leech, Alex Power of Power Pack, and a clone of the Wizard who now calls himself 32. Determined to find a new way to guide humanity towards a better future, Reed has assembled these children along with a pair of students from Old Atlantis, his genius daughter Valeria, and a now reprogrammed Dragon Man into a forward-looking think tank named The Future Foundation. Now that the... You'll notice that Franklin wasn't invited to this little party, and this leaves him feeling overlooked and left behind. Two-sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our Power Pack pick is?
1: My pleasure, my friend. Jeff, you know who is in this comic book? Somebody very, very important very important a character that has gravitas that has presence
0: i know where you're going it's impossible man
1: i'm talking about arcade oh and who is arcade well arcade is nothing but a
0: let's open a bag and find out He is nothing but a Moonraker, a dishonorable villain. (laughs) (laughs) And I screwed that up because Moonraker Brewing Company is the brewing company, while dishonorable villain, Triple India Pale Ale, is a very good way to describe that bitter, bitter little pill of a man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great looking little can. That's a fiery metallic skull clown face in front of a lightning wrecked dystopian nightmare fuel carnival area. Yeah, that's pretty Which is neat. a bit
1: of what happens at the toy store they go to, but we're going to get into that. We'll get into that. West Coast yeah. DIPA dry hopped with stupid amounts of strata, enigma, citro, cryo, and mosaic. Tropical and dank. AF, papaya goo, yellow jelly beans,
0: and pineapple plush berries. That's a lot of words to describe this beer pineapple plush berries i've never heard of those but i'm excited to find out what they are it smells real good it smells really floral it smells really sweet it smells very tropically
1: those are all very true words it's a very very clear yellow i mean it's there's no haze in that at all
0: mine is hazy it's it's I very mean, translucent it's becoming more transparent as my bubble pour goes on
1: if you look at mine you can see my face right through Ooh, my I glass
0: <laughs> If you look at mine, you can it's the way you like it where you cannot see me at all. What was interesting when I opened up the can too is that it was a it was a very bubblegum aroma, and I just saw Rick made a face facey kind of face, so I'm gonna assume that it is
1: I am not sure what I just tasted there, but I wow take a taste of that and let me know what you think.
0: Mm, 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 mm. ah um ah ah. Oh, it's those plush berries. I bet because I don't know what those taste like.
1: Okay, one of the Ooh. lines
0: I read was "tropical
1: ah. and dank AF." There we go. Yeah, that is that is the definition oh. of dank. Oh my ah. gosh!
0: Ah, uh, uh, less dank, more kind of sewery. It's, it's it's
1: wow. Something. This is, is something
0: and. It is.
1: This is a triple IPA, and I got to tell you, it is very strong. This has just a mess of strong, sharp, pointy flavors. It's got a lot of hops. It is hop forward, and then they put some more hops onto that, and then they put the hops in with spikes, and then they put the spikes on fire, and then they put all that in your mouth.
0: This is challenging. It's not that rusted nail flavor of hops. Mm -mm. This is... I don't know what this is. Sharp, I don't know if these have been sharp. Yeah, sharp. sharp. Fermented hops, maybe. Maybe poorly aged hops. It is. It's challenging in a way I'm not happy about. So no mm, hmm. fun can. Maybe not a fun can interior. We'll we'll see as time progresses. I'm not
1: sure on this one either. It is. Here's the, here's the interesting thing. And bear with me on this. It is not a bad taste. But it is offensive to me. It's not like we've tasted things before that have been like a burning tire fire. And it's not that. It's not like anything burnt or it's not anything cloying. It's just sharp and it is a distinct taste. It has flavor it's just not enjoyable to me or to Jeff. This has got to be enjoyable to somebody. I'm not sure who, but it is a very distinct flavor.
0: I'm trying to find other flavors in it to describe, but it's just that dank. Yeah. Kind of tropically, but. Okay. Mmm. Mm. Mm. Ah, I do not have a good descriptor for it, but I'm not making a happy face. Um, ah, oh.
1: The can has a metallic skull that's on fire, and that is a pretty d- good descriptor of what I am feeling right now. That my skull is on fire. Well, Jeff, let's let's move on to this issue, if you will, please.
0: <laughs> Fantastic Four, Volume 1, Issue Number 580, August 2010, The Franktastic Four, writer, Jonathan Hickman, penciler, Neil Edwards, inker. Andrew Curry, colorist, Paul Mounts, letterer and production, VCs Russ Wooten, associate editor, Lauren Sankovich, editor, Tom Brevort, editor-in-chief, Joe Casada, Featuring the Fantastic Four,
1: Mr. Fantastic, The Invisible Woman, The Human Torch, The Thing, and guest starring, The Future Foundation, with Alex Power, Valeria Richards, 32, Artie Maddox, Dragon Man, Tong, Turg, Kor, Mick, Vil, Wu, Franklin Richards, and our guest of the issue, The Impossible Man and
0: Arcade. A young boy's life is filled with hopes and promises, and the heady wonderment of the opening of a new toy store.
1: I personally was at four separate KB Toy Store openings. Pull
0: back on the rain, you
1: wild stallion. In this issue, we have Franklin and Leech waiting, not so patiently, for Reed to take them to The Impossible Man's toy launch, at some place called Arcade
0: Toys. Well, Reed should be along at any, uh, what? Is there a problem? Yeah, the Future Foundation. How would that be a problem? They are a group of smart kids that solve
1: problems. Exactly! And they have a problem. Well, they have decided on the first problem that they are going to solve. They have informed Reed, and he is very intrigued...
0: Which means that Franklin and Leach are left to wait, right?
1: Right. Uh, that seems pretty lame. So much so that Franklin kicks in the door to the brain room. Uh, our words, not theirs.
0: Let's distill the conversation between the father and the son. Sure. Yo, Pops, you promised to do this thing. Yes, Jimmy, or James, whatever. I did promise, but it was an accept-if promise, like except if I have more important things to do. Like all the time, right, Dad? Exactly, champ. But don't worry your pretty little blonde or brown hair. I've got a replacement parental unit for you. Mom? No, your uncle. Go and have fun. Great. Thanks, Dad. And scene. Oh, his smarty-pants younger sister waves goodbye, which is her way of waving him goodbye so that the big brains can get back to braining big.
1: So it's time... For Uncle Johnny to be on kid duty. He may complain, but he loves this job. Franklin loves him. Johnny loves Franklin. And at the end of the day, after all the sugar and the excitement, Johnny can whack a whip.
0: Nice. Well, this day is starting out with a little rain cloud. Apparently Franklin is a little down from that cats in the cradle scene. But Johnny points out that even though Reed and Val have a lot more common than Reed and Franklin, the silver spoon is that... That is okay.
1: I need to say something here. While this is a nice little scene, and Johnny does a good job at soothing Franklin's hurt feelings, this is all happening in front of Leech.
0: So? Oh.
1: Yeah, let's have a talk about absent fathers and busy family members that still love you in front of the poor kid that has no actual parent figure, since his foster mom was killed in front of him by the Marauders.
0: Well, he has been kind of adopted by the Richards.
1: Oh. Oh. Goody for him. I am sure that he is going to love Reed's hands-off parenting style. Well, as Franklin and Johnny continue to ignore the world's best friend, Johnny asks the kid, uh, or, or kids, what they want to get from the toy store, hinting that his action figure is
0: pretty sweet. The two kids' opinion that the IT toys are ones associated with Spider-Man and Iron Man. Well, Duh later at the new toy store home of the fighting parents the inside of arcade seems pretty sweet with bins full of toys and life-size recreations of heroes it is nearly perfect except for a 'er ne'er-do-well that johnny spots and trains a fiery fist at why
1: you would be talking about the owner of this fine establishment it's arcade himself i mean his name is on the building kind of hiding out in the open ain't he Arcade, for the uninitiated, is a long-time villain, mostly focusing on the X-Men, but willing to take on any contract. He likes using traps and robots in elaborate settings, usually in a place called Murder World. (laughs) It's a bit like Disneyland, but with more knives and corpses. Precisely. But before Johnny can flambe this bow-tie-wearing cretin, an old friend Pops into the scene, dressed as a green-skinned and purple-clothed hippie. It's the Impossible Man!
0: Oh, oh, goody, this guy. The Impossible Man
1: is a pop-upian from the planet Pop-Up. They are green-skinned and they wear purple clothes and they can (laughs) into any shape they want, limiting their appearance only to the two
0: chosen colors. This guy has been kicking around since Fantastic Four number 11 in 1962. He is pretty much a menace. Always looking for fun or a game and not really understanding societal rules or the importance of personal property.
1: Still angry about how he stole the toilet paper in your house while you are using the bathroom, huh? That's just not a cool thing to do. Well, in this story, it appears that Impy and Arcade have teamed up for a
0: lucrative new enterprise. Merchandising! Wait a minute. The world's most annoying nerd who likes to create overly complicated murder castles is teaming up with the most annoying individual in the universe to sell toys? That is their backstory. I feel that there is another shoe that is about to drop here.
1: The toys are all based on The Impossible Man. Uh and Impossible Man has included a piece of himself in each toy. <sighs> For the love of Stanley. But it's okay. Arcade has promised that he is done with murder and death traps. I
0: mean, come on, man. Nobody's buying that. Good news. Johnny is giving him a
1: massive side eye, as do Franklin and Leech. Great. Well, it's time for the toy launch, so Arcade gives a speech, and the impossible man does his best, Superman, introducing all of the toys, including punching hands, action figures, and plushy head pillows, all based on Impy himself. Mm, meh. You, sir, are not the target audience. The kids are. And they are going nuts. Yeah, even Franklin wants the fist. While Leech says, Ed, hello. And while the kids are getting ready to rampage, the impossible man cuts the ribbon and Arcade <sighs> mumbles something about a little death
0: trap. And with the flip of a switch, chaos reigns. The floor starts rumbling, which is the sign to Johnny to flame on. Arcade rapidly pressing buttons calls for more murder. As the fists and plushies start attacking the Human Torch. The
1: fist also slam poor Leech into
0: a display of Lego. Wham. Well. Now, Impossible Man, who is not evil, tries to reason with the murderous mercantile by pointing out that this is a breach of contract. But Arcade just launches the automated action figures at his partner. Franklin has made it to Leech's
1: side. The poor kid is knocked out. And that makes Franklin mad. Real mad. Super mad. And when you make a reality bender mad, things happen.
0: Like a giant stuffed purple fuzzy dinosaur coming to life and chomping on arcade.
1: Yep, that's about right. Franklin also directs his uncle to burn all the toys, which he does in a spectacular fashion.
0: Now that everything has settled down, Impy takes a moment to loudly lament the destruction of his horcruxes and the burning of his soul. Eh, but it was just another gag, because he has no soul. I mean, extraterrestrial physiology, am I right? Johnny and Impossible Man have a final moment where Johnny reminds his friend that they are not a supergroup and really not friends. And Ampy laughs it off and says that's cute, and assures them that he will watch our cage until the authorities arrive. Can I just say that I would never...
1: Ever let that guy watch my lunch. Never mind, let him be in charge of a supervillain.
0: Hey, it's Johnny Storm. I'm just impressed that he did not burn the building down. But I will tell you who is also impressed with the old team of Torch. Franklin and Leech.
1: Yeah, Johnny was really impressed with how Franklin took the lead, and the two kids joined Torchy in a rendition of Flame On!
0: interlude new earth
1: another two-page spread with a robot getting awareness ted castle updates his brain planet ultron is built a world mind is created a guy waits and banner jr turns into la maestro (laughs) well jolly good fun back in the baxter building home of the fighting brains the thing has been asked to join the discussion
0: occurring with reed and the future foundation As Val explains, the kids have been given a blank check for their first-class project. And while they had some nifty ideas including mass energy conversion, food improvements, death rays, and self-cleaning bedrooms, the kids decided on a project a little closer to home.
1: The Moloids love the Grimm. He is the savior of the universe, and they wanted to honor the thing. And also to stick it to Reed for being a know-it-all, they decided to work on Ben Grimm becoming human again.
0: (laughs) Wow. While it may not seem like much, this has been an issue since the first few issues of the Fantastic Four. While Reed, Sue, and Johnny have powers, they can also appear human. Ben is a giant orange Rocky man. While there have been times he has reverted to human, Reed has never cracked the issue of making it stick, or of finding a way for him to turn off his powers. This is not a joke for Ben. He is very sensitive about this. But
1: as the brain trust explains, Reed has been tackling the problem from the wrong direction. Are they trying to fix him from the butt? No, no, no. The way Ben's power works is that being Rocky is the normal setting for his body. And returning to human form would have been more like Johnny turning on his flames. Because this has not occurred, the
0: Rocky form has become more set. So this is a good news, horrible news scenario. (laughs) Fun time. Thanks for bringing me down, kids. But wait, there's more.
1: It's not a hopeless case. Just a mostly hopeless one. The kids have devised a way for Ben to still alter to human form, but it will only be for a limited
0: duration, with a long recovery time in between. Needless to say, now is when Ben gets a little impatient, but Alex informs him that about once a year, he can be human for about a week. And Ben takes it. It is not great, but that little vial will allow him to just be
1: himself for a moment. And speaking of moments, let's have a moment to talk about the cover. Of this issue, with the themes of the issue. So, we have got this lovely, lovely cover, which is The Heroic Age. I promise, I've given up games of murder. Fantastic Four. That's on the top of the cover. And the the cover itself is, well, it's a
0: cacophony, really. It really is a great description of it. There's a lot going (laughs) on There's a
1: lot going on. Dead center, we got Johnny Storm flaming up for the world, and like... On the right-hand side of him, there's a TV screen with Arcade just laughing, 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 and kind of on the left side, we see behind Johnny, we see Franklin, and he's like, oh, what's going on? And outside of that, there is toys attacking Johnny, and Johnny's flaming them to bits. There's a spaceship, there's a bear with claws jumping down, there are blocks, there's two twin Elizabethan-era dolls, there's a plastic army man, there's a big, fat, clown there's just stuff attacking him i like it
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty noisy but it gives you the idea that arcade is throwing everything he's got at an uncle and his wards i
1: I, well no just a ward because you know
0: why why, why why show leech
1: leech? come on now why
0: show leech you have a good point
1: this is alan davis with inks by mark farmer and i i like it i think it's a you know what this one's about every time i kind of like, I kept thinking about what's this issue about i looked at the cover oh yeah i remember what this issue (laughs) is about
0: it does sum it up really pretty well there's a bunch of toys and arcade is trying to murder done
1: yeah 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 no i this is a lot of fun i like this cover it's good for what it is and it gets us into the interior so i'm gonna get one thing out of the way it's it's the little bit of the elephant in the room with me I am not a fan of the artwork in this book.
0: <laughs> no, it's not great. It's passable, as in, yeah, I can tell what's going on, and I see the scenes you're, you're drawing, and I get it. It does not jump out. It's very make weight work kind of thing. It's it's very passable. It's very make weight. It's very it gets the job done. It is your Kirkland brand comic book artist it's kind of the vibe that I'm getting off of it. And and here's the thing is that Neil Edwards has done a lot of
1: other artwork. I think a lot of it's much better than this. I am not sure what's happening here because it just doesn't seem to really click. The big problem is, is that we have got a mess of kids in this issue. There's a lot of kids and he just does not draw kids that well. And when they're at the toy store, we've got mobs of kids and it, they're kind of frozen in place type of a thing every time you see the kids they're not action they're just kind of like mid polaroid picture snapshot and not in a good way it's very strange
0: yeah it's never really organic feeling it is very yeah like you said polaroid picture kind of can't really describe it it's just not great
1: yeah his, and i think that's a lot of what's going on here is that even the the action scenes, they, they don't seem movement. We aren't seeing as much movement in the action scenes as you normally see. And, and it's really hard to explain. But anyway, i not a big fan of the art. The color and the pages that it's made on is really good. It's just the art just doesn't hold up to
0: it. That's Can't have opinion. everything. Can't have everything. Can't have everything. But
1: we can have, we can have Impossible Man and Arcade. <laughs> what is your yeah. thoughts on these two characters?
0: I always hate the Impossible Man, Mixleplix, whatever, Batmite, Imps, whatever they are, just the things that kind of, you know, oh, it, it, uh, Foolkiller would be a great, great example of this as well. It's characters that can come in and anything that can happen will happen and it doesn't matter and it's just, it... I'm sure that artists enjoy it so that way they can do something cartoony and different and no matter what they do, it's right. But it there's usually very low stakes because even in this one where it's just like, okay, Uncle Johnny, burn the toys, burn them to death, burn them to the bitter bitterest of ashes because each one has a bit of the impossible man in there. Oh, look at the lamentations and the and the tearing of the sackcloth that impossible man's doing. Oh no, it doesn't matter. He doesn't care that bits of him just got torched. He doesn't care that his merchandise deal just fell apart. He's just like, eh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. He moves on to the next fun thing. It's one of the reasons I yeah. do like,
1: I kind of like impossible man. I don't go out to just, Oh my God, I'm going to get all of his stories, but I never am offended when I read one. They are okay. exactly what they are. They're fun. They're goofy. They're silly. They're cotton candy. There's no feeling yeah, to him at all. There's, it, yeah, it's there's just, no filler. It's it, it, all sweetness. It's just yeah. all sweetness. It's all corn syrup. It's all floss. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've got no problem with that because I like to cut up the, the serious with ridiculous, and the impossible man is that
0: ridiculous. That's true. Let's talk about Arcade now. Okay. I, I'm always great with Arcade. <laughs> He's just ridiculous. He's a man that knows what he likes, and what he likes is making death traps, and- yeah. If they succeed, hey, that's great. And if they don't, well, that's a shame. They, He's just a man that likes to make a murder room. They never succeed, though. And that's, I like Arcade too. But
1: I have read tons of stuff with Arcade in it. I've read the Avengers story. I've read the Uncanny X-Men stories with Arcade. I've read Arcade in a bunch of different settings. I just want him to actually really be successful but you also know that he can't be successful because if he is successful then he has really killed somebody and you know you don't want that in your comic books i guess yeah but it's just he's got these grandiose things and he doesn't go through with them and that's always frustrating for me because i'd like him i'd like it to be better than it is i like the elaborate rube goldberg designs of stuff those are Mm -hmm. cool This is Arcade light. Yeah. When Arcade shows up, I want it to be more.
0: This is a little bit of a disappointing Arcade. This was just him scratching an itch. This was him just like...
1: He he animated toys.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Impossible Man powers to attack Impossible Man and whoever just happened to be around. You know, because he was just like, I'm off murder. I'm off murder. I'm off murder. Well, maybe a little murder. Because even when he was just doing stuff, he's doing the business, he's doing the merchandising, he's promoting, he's hype manning, and then he's just like,
1: ah, I've got to push the button! But you know what you do instead? Is you turn this giant building that's his big toy store, all of a sudden walls come up and it's a big escape room. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. You get back Murder World. he has Murder World in a toy store. Yes! I would have liked that a little bit more.
0: That's just me. That would have been neat. I do like the last interaction that i had with arcade which was he was hired by a venture capitalist group to kind of spice up a mall so he made a mall and he was just like me, grab jubilee and he's like well we'll see if jubilee can survive this then a normal person ought to be able to survive it but think of how exciting it would be if you got to get through a little death robot or something and then you can get a really good sale on a tv and the venture capitalists are like what are you doing he's like what this is nothing this is tame you wanted me to spice up your mole. I'm doing it. That's why I grabbed Jubilee. If she can survive, anybody can.
1: Yeah, like I said, I just I want just a little bit more. I always like a little bit more from my murder guy.
0: <laughs>
1: Let's talk about the brains in this book, though, because we finally have the Future Foundation's first little assignment here. They've got an assignment, and they're going for it, and they got themselves an idea. What do you think about this idea? And what do you think about the first... Thing that
0: they're going to work on. Did you like it? I like that. I think that's neat. What's also cool on that is that I've read later Fantastic Four stuff where Grimm was, he's like, okay, he's married to Alicia Masters or he's engaged to her or something. And it's just like his his human form is coming up and he's like, yeah, I could, we're going to go on vacation. We're going to maybe start a family. This is my time. Oh, this is great. I'm looking forward to it. Then in a mind controlled from the puppet master Hulk and they got to fight, but man, that talk—that clock is ticking down, and and Ben's starting to slough some rock, and he's fighting the Hulk, and he's just like the fight goes. as fight goes. He actually does defeat the Hulk, but he doesn't really win himself. And then he wakes up a week later as a rock, and he's just like, oh, "I missed my my vacation, my human time. We were gonna work on starting a family. I was gonna just sit down at a beach and drink my ties and <laughs> not be a freak." Ah. So it's neat to know the origins of that because I was kind of like, I have no idea where this came from and I'm not going to find out. But hey, I did a podcast and now I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is cool
1: because we find out a lot more things too. This is the first thing we're seeing to these kids. And there's a lot of other stuff that's that's starting to come together or starting to really come together. I finally caught up with going back to the beginning of Hickman's Run and reading all the other stuff in between. So I can kind of give us a little bit more sense of the world that's being built here. And I thought I'd just take a moment to do that a little bit. There's been a warning that Reed has received that something's bad's gonna happen when you start dealing with four cities. And all of a sudden he realizes that he has four cities that he is now dealing with. There is an old Atlantean city that has been discovered. It was kind of frozen and hidden in, in some ice in the North Pole. And they discovered it, and they opened it up, and there were three races of old Atlanteans that were living there, and that was the kingdom of old Atlantis. And so now, we, and Sue Richards kind of got it pulled in as an ambassador from there. That's where we have Vil and Wu coming from. They are the two fish kids that are part of the Future Foundation. The king from that, that old Atlantean world is given those two kids to the Future Foundation. There is some stuff coming up because. Namer's got some questions and they have some questions for namer that's coming up we also have the forever city we got three mole or four moloids that are kicking around with the fantastic or the future foundation too they all came from this forever city that was high evolutionaries idea of making a super smart race and these moloids got caught up in it that's why they are very advanced moloids and in dealing with that city, there's one point in time where Ben Grimm went in there to try to deal with City, so he started becoming advanced and he had this big rock cranium head. We're gonna see that in the in the next issue as well. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Yeah. We also have the Inhumans. They have run across the Inhumans city up on the moon. And this is a bit different because all of a sudden there are these, I think it's four or five other races that also have come forward and said, hey, we also have some of the same DNA structure that the Inhumans have. And Black Bolt has actually got five wives because he, the queen of each one of these races is also one of his wives. And one of them, we know, it's a chameleon. It's a group of the chameleons who are also there. So there's a chameleon queen who Ooh. is one of Black Bolt's wives. <laughs> hmm. So they have this city of this, this universal city up that the Inhumans have got. We also have... Something that Johnny messed up on. He uh, accidentally opened up a portal into the negative zone. or he, he, he had a date. The date turned into a giant bug. She escaped into the negative zone. He tried to follow her to resolve this thing. And she started to free Annihilus. So Annihilus is starting to create his own city in the negative zone too. All of these things are brewing in the background. Plus, we also have this weird stuff going on with New World, and and that's going to be coming up as well. Jonathan Hickman is setting up all these little things, because there's a bunch of stuff that's happening, and everything's starting to cross over, and yeah.
0: Hickman likes to set things up. He likes to have a lot of storylines available to him to go into at any point, which tends to be pretty cool.
1: Yeah. And I'm giving some background on this because we are jumping in the middle of all this stuff, and we need to keep up with some of the stuff that's happening between the pages because it's all going to read into what the story
0: is. Yeah, and since we're skipping around and jumping forward, and yeah, we'll miss some stuff, so we need to talk about some stuff. Yep.
1: But... That's enough of that malarkey and jargony and stuffy, stuffy, stuffy. I want to know some final thoughts. I want to know some gallery greatness. We got this brain room with all these smart people in it and they like art up there. And so we got to give them art to put up on their walls. So let's talk about some backup joke stuff. I am going to go first. My backup joke one is (laughs) Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Burn the toys, and on page 14, (laughs) he does. It's Johnny Storm just burning toys, burning, burning the toys. I found (laughs) it just being funny because... It's Johnny burning toys, and really, it, it really, it's it's a very simple picture. It's just it's charred red stuff
0: being burned. It's good. <laughs> it is good. The color palette is white to yellow to orange to a burnt red. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's pretty great. So that's my backup one. What do you got? On the very last page, page twenty-four on Marvel Unlimited, I call it first one's free. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. And this is the bottom half of the page. It is the very last panel. And that is Ben Grimm really eyeballing a glowing, bubbling green vial that some kid's hand is handed to him.
1: Try our drugs. Try our
0: drugs. Hey, you're cool, right? Yeah, you want to hit
1: high. high.
2: No,
0: Towly. (laughs) I don't. But you are a kid, so a child selling me drugs at the playground of their school is. Probably pretty legit i just thought that was funny because just look at that lust and want in ben's eyes yeah
1: no i like it i like it very much it's a thing it is a thing my top joke one is on page six and i call this one buy our stuff buy our stuff and it's just the the three panels of the stuff that they are selling and we've got the punchy impossible man fists we've got the smiling and creepy action figures and we got the giant pillows of impossible man's head buy our stuff i wouldn't buy okay <laughs> no i i'd buy the boat that buy the punching hands
0: i didn't see anything here that i was really uh, interested in which is a shame because i love toys
1: i like punching so. people so i like the punching hands
0: okay so that way you can that way you go no it's safe they're they're impossible punch I, punch impossible
1: <laughs> yeah what you don't know is that i put impossible um, concrete in
0: mine all right what's your uh, oh. top joke one <laughs> you're one of those kind of fellows my top joke one is on page 11 and i call it ah! because it's all the children and their open faces screaming it, this is right after Impossible Man's talked about all of his stuff and so good citizens. Who wants one? And all these kids are just screaming me, but they're just these, uh, they're frightening know, versions of they're they're frightening. They're monstrous versions of children with their mouths open, just screaming. And I could definitely hear just, just them just screaming or making a nice pod person noise. It, going.
1: it looks like it looks like they're in fear for their lives and running away yeah. from the burning fire that Johnny started.
0: Yes, exactly, as a, as opposed to in the joy of their lives and running towards toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So the top stuff here, I'm going to go to what I call page 13, and this is Super Imp versus the Mini Hymns.
0: Wow, that looks very familiar, as I call it. <laughs> this is ridiculous, and I love it.
1: <laughs> it is Impossible Man looking like Superman fighting himself, fighting a bunch of little hymns. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's all it is.
0: That's all it is. Yeah. Yep, it's a good baker's dozen of action figures of himself that he's fighting, and that's uh, uh, fairly stupid and ridiculous and sweet, and I love it. That's
1: what I want (laughs) from Impossible Man stuff. Come on, now.
0: Come on. (laughs) It's what you want, and it's what you get, and it is wonderful for it. I am going to go ahead and tell you my top
1: one, and this is on page 18, and this is in the little interlude about New World, and we have the Mm. last panel, and it is the maestro... If you please. Now, for those of you who don't know the Maestro, the Maestro is an advanced or older version of the Hulk. And this is the Hulk with kind of a balding pate of hair and a deep beard. And he is a very particular smart and conniving and dangerous Hulk. He is the one who's had enough of everything. And he is the one who is going to be in charge. He is smart. He is strong. And he has zero weaknesses. Except maybe being a little too much ego.
0: There is the aspect that he's not wanting to be in charge to make things better. He he is the captain of the Titanic as it is sinking. And you will show him the respect you show a captain.
1: He wants to make things better for him. Yes. And if it happens to be good for you too, meh. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's unlikely. Yeah. But yeah, he's in charge. Do the stuff he wants. It's better for everybody if he's happy. Mm -hmm. What is your top one, sir? My top one is on Marvel Unlimited, page 17, and I call it Unmitigated Joy. Okay. This is when Artie and Leech and Johnny are leaving the burnt to a flinder toy store. After they've uh, killed all the toys and spanked all the arcades, there you go. You just have it's Johnny just going, "Hey, now tell me who's your favorite hero again? Who's your favorite superhero?" Because before they're like Iron Man, Spider Man. Now that you know, he Johnny asks, and the kids just jump up in the air and yell, "Flame on!" Ah, it's just so great. It's just so great to see them so happy and just just happy to be alive and kids and joyous, and just excited about their uncle, who's their favorite superhero. So, pretty cool.
1: That is nice. That is nice. It would be even better if Johnny was in such a immature hothead. Ooh, immature hothead? That must be a rubber and glue moment. Jeff, what is the best <laughs> or most childish insult? What is your
0: backup one, sir? My Backup rubber and glue is on page 8 of Marvel Unlimited when Johnny and Arcade are talking. And Johnny's all, Arcade, you better have a good explanation for being here. Well, good boy, the building does have my name on the front of it. Big letters. You should pick up reading. It helps avoid little book learning snafus like
1: this. Same, same, same. (laughs) That's mine too. (laughs) Oh, Arcade. It's a long burn and it's a good burn. It's just like, hey, (laughs) you're kind of an idiot. And I'm telling you an
0: idiot. <laughs> my name is there. It's right there. I'm
1: it's here. Right,
0: right there. I'm like, you saw me behind the register selling toys. It's, it's a me place. We got that one in sync. I will <laughs> bet money
1: in my pocket that we're going to have the same one for our top. It's got to be.
0: And I'm going to have you do it because you do the voice. Is it on Marvel Unlimited page six? Is it when the kids are about to leave with Uncle Johnny to the toy store from the Baxter building? And when Johnny's going, so tell me, what's the first on the shopping list? I hear Human Torch action figures are pretty choice. Web shooters. Repulsors. No. I'm never having kids. (laughs) I'm actually surprised. That's not it. Mine is a
1: few pages further when Johnny is talking to Franklin and Leech and they're talking about Arcade. And Johnny asks, Uh, what do you guys think? And Leech's answer is... Creep. Come on. Come on. That is top
0: tier right there. (laughs) Creep. It is uh, Leech throwing
1: down. Yep. Dude's shaky, Uncle Johnny. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. It is the (laughs) creep from Leech. Come on, Creep. come on. Creep.
0: All right, all right. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a great one. I just I just like the burn on uh, Johnny from the kids. I just thought that was great when he's like, hey, obviously I'm your favorite hero, right? Ah, you're going to get some uh, some Johnny Storm action figures. Maybe Flame Fist action figure. Maybe Flying Foot on Fire action figure. Maybe a bri- set, briquette set. I don't know. Something probably Human George related. And they're like, this is Spider-Man and Iron Man. Duh, Cool heroes, not you. Let's talk about the obvious one
1: here, and that is the Parent of the Year. And this is the issue where I came up with the idea for doing Parent of the Year. The Reed Richards Award for Good Parenting goes to
0: Reed Richards. (laughs) Wait, wait, let me guess. (laughs) <laughs> Is it yeah, I know I promised to take you to the toy store, but I don't want to because something interesting happened with other children I'd rather spend time with. My oh my firstborn child. Bingo bango bongo, let me go ahead and put you off to
1: your uncle Johnny and you know what, let me go ahead and let's let's double down on that. Let's also <laughs> ignore Leech, who I have brought in to be your plaything. Let me ignore him too.
0: Just, just for just for a <laughs> topping on that cake. He doesn't even acknowledge leech. It's just, oh, hey, sport, you and you alone. I know I promised you the only person that's a child in this room that I usually don't pay attention to. Yeah, bye. Yeah. Time to go talk to smart children. Oh, Reed, you terrible, terrible human. Now, it's not always going to be this
1: way, but we're also going to talk about popular and shunned. And <laughs> the shunned, the worst character, is not always going to be the worst parent. <laughs> but but in this case... Yes, yeah, it's going to be Reed. It's going to be Reed. Not only that, because we can add more to this, too. We also have Reed. And, and for, to give him a little credit, he doesn't go off and cry in a corner. But he also gets owned by a room full of children that he brought together to come up with good ideas. And they say, yes. we're going to fix something that you've never been able to fix. And he even acknowledges, he even acknowledges, I don't know
0: if I should be honored or upset about this. <laughs> Uh-huh. I don't know if I should be impressed or upset. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz he's just like, "Oh, you're going to you you're, you're, you're going to fix the thing that I haven't been able to fix in 40 years." Yeah, oh, that's awesome. I was thinking maybe you'd solve hunger in a solar system or something, nah, not nah, this garbage. Nah. We're we're going to fix one
1: of your mistakes <laughs> because you can't.
0: Yeah, I like it when Alex is talking to him. Yeah, you know, here's where you made your mistakes is you were trying to do this, and that's not the answer. You're doing it. You're trying to fix the thing that isn't the problem. You need to break the thing that's fixed, is what you need to do, kind of thing.
1: Who is your most popular in this one? Who is the character who really stood out?
0: Old Blue Eyes himself, Frankie Richards.
1: I'll give it to Frank. Okay. All right, give it to Franklin. Franklin. Yep, I am giving it to the other wonderful, wonderful boy, Leech. Can I just say, what a friend. He's a friend. What a friend. What a friend. Friend. What a friend. friend. I mean, friend. yes, Franklin went ahead and he did the right moves. He did everything. Leech is the Samwise Gamgee of the story. He is there for his friend. even, yeah. and, and he is there just to support, 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 and be there and do cool things. And he called Arcade a creep. So for creep. me, it is Leech. Any day, every day, all day long.
0: Which is pretty wonderful. That's a, that is an excellent choice. We picked one of the kids, and they're both wonderful. Now,
1: and I will I will say too that Franklin does do a good job of, of coming into his own as a leader. He did a good job of saying, yep. "I've got a plan. Let's follow the plan, and everything's going to be okay."
0: And it did, yeah. And he turned a dinosaur, a toy dinosaur, into an arcade eating machine. He immediately was like, took charge of Johnny, who needs his handheld because he's not a real adult, <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "Here's the pl- do the thing," and. He did. Johnny was impressed by it. Yep. Top grades, yeah. top grades, top grades. We need to find out which issue is the best
1: of the rest. We are starting with this list of the minor appearances of Power Pack, starting with, of course, Wolverine and Katie and Uncanny X-Men number 205. Down at spot number eight, we have The Loners, volume one number one. This is where Maddie convinces Chris to hunt down a drug maker because that's what she does. We have at spot number 15, Wolverine, volume 2, number 37. That's where Wolverine is bouncing through time and visits the top of the list. That's what happens. And, of course, Loner's volume, number 1, number 3. Julie's in the hospital and nothing really happens. This is above that. This is an okay story. I My biggest problem with this is that the B plot is a little more interesting, is a lot more interesting than the A plot. And mm-hmm. the artwork is very, very weak. Yeah. So there's cool setup here but I don't know if it's if it's great
0: there's a lot of promise here but yeah it's not super great it's not one that I really relish on reading mm-hmm. I'm kind of vibing around the War of Kings stuff
1: yeah I'm right there as well we have loners number six the final issue of loners that's got a lot more in it than this yeah um, that was
0: pretty chunk though too
1: so I I'm actually thinking right between Loner's number six and Warhawk and War number Kings two. number two. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah. right between 17 and 18. I think this is a good, good number 18. That's good. That's a good spot for it. I, there's lots of cool stuff coming out of this, and I think we're going to like a lot of the stuff that follows this. It's just the arts subpar. It's a fun little outing, but it's the A plot's yeah. not consequential at all. The B plot promises some cool stuff, but it's not a lot. It's really the B plot, so...
0: It really is. It had Franklin in it, though, and I love me a little Franklin. He is an amazing boy. He's the bestest boy. He's still the bestest boy. I love Franklin. So having stories with him, I'm happy about. But yeah, it's still just there wasn't a lot to shake with it. Mm. Mm -hmm. But I noticed that Rick just took another sip of his beer and he's making a face and going, "Mm, mm," which I also have done. Looking at both of our glasses, I can tell that Rick has drank about an inch of his pint. I've drank about... Two and a half inches because I've been forcing myself to while uh, Rick had been talking about some stuff. But every time I mute my mic and make very, very, very sad, uh, upset, angry faces. So, Rick, what are you thinking of our beverage? Dishonorable Villain by Moonraker Brewing Company. I am not pleased with this at
1: all. Like I said before, this doesn't feel like a mistake. This feels very intentional. They're going for a specific flavor profile but it is not enjoyable to me at all. Here's something else, too, I didn't mention. This is 10% ABV.
0: Okay, I like it for that. But let me tell you, it's not an enjoyable ABV. You know, that 10% is probably also not doing any favors because of the flavor. Yeah. Of the, some, that's a lot of the higher alcohol beers can get. Yeah. Which really starts kind of dragging away. There We've had some ABVs, like 11, 12, 13s, that have been like, wow, that's really smooth and good. This one... There ain't nothing sweet about it. Yeah, it's not. I surprisingly am not going to rank this very high. I'm going to be pretty honest. Is it drinkable? Yes. It is a beverage that is a fluid that you can ingest. Do you want to? We do not. No. I'm giving this a one for the simple fact that it is, in fact, a beer that you can drink. Yeah,
1: I'm joining you on that one island. And this is probably the lowest ranked beer that we have had ever. And we ranked a beer that we called drinking a tire fire that is above this. And I think I could probably go back and drink that again because a tire fire was at least interesting.
0: This is just a
1: little painful. This is painful to drink.
0: Yeah, it's not pleasant. No. There, there is a very distinct fl- flavor profile that they leaned into very heavily, and it is not for us. It might be for somebody, like Rick has said, but it is not for me or him.
1: Ooh, it is it is drinking sharpness, and it, it really assaults your tongue. Ugh. It just... Ooh. All right, we are going to move on. We got to move on. Yeah.
0: Let's move on to something that's flavorful and fun and effervescent, like Kids Perspective. And that's where Rick talks to his 11-year-old daughter, Carrie, about the issue that we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie, take it away.
1: Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. We are back to talk about Fantastic Four number 580. Is this one a little bit more fun than the last one?
2: It kind of is, because I understand some more things.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, let's talk about the big thing here. What's going on with Franklin and Leach? Are they having fun? At the beginning of this issue, are they having fun?
2: They are bored.
1: What's supposed to be happening?
2: Aren't they supposed to, like, be at the toy store or something? With who? With Reed Richards.
1: (laughs) Yep. And he is too busy to take his son and his friend to the toy store, right?
2: Yeah, which is, like, I understand it, but these guys need some, like, serious parenting skills. (laughs) I understand they're busy, but don't they want to be a good example?
1: And who is Reed busy with?
2: His science class, just kidding, of his class. Yeah,
1: his science class. A bunch of other kids, right? He's too busy with other kids to spend time with his own son.
2: Which is honestly very hurtful. He is spending time with his daughter.
1: Yeah, so half a point there, I guess.
2: Yeah. (laughs) His daughter with the advanced brain.
1: They are working on a project. But we have Franklin and Leech now with Johnny, and they're going to a toy store. What do you think about Arcade and The Impossible Man? You've seen The Impossible Man before, right?
2: I honestly don't really remember.
1: We had a conversation one time with my friend Al Sedano, and he showed us a Spider-Man book with The Impossible Man. Remember oh, that? Oh,
2: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: You thought he was kind of silly there, right? Yeah. Is he silly here? Still, yeah. What do you think of Impossible Man?
2: But you said he's silly. Still.
1: <laughs> what do you think about Arcade?
2: Kinda sucks, but he's <laughs> there. He's a villain. He's the villain. That—that's literally all you need to know. What? if they saw, if Johnny saw Arcade, why didn't he just take the boys out and like tell Impossible Man to keep an eye on things? And then go somewhere else.
1: Because he promised that he was good, and he was just trying to do something different, and Johnny gave him a chance. But Arcade's not good. Yeah. Arcade usually builds things called Murder World that are full of of things that try to kill people.
2: I have had this one comic book where it's got, like, Miss Marvel, Squirrel Girl, America Chavez. The main villain was arcade. Okay,
1: so you are familiar with how he works.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he's violent, like any other villain.
1: Yeah, he is pretty violent. He is pretty violent. So what did you think about how this all played out? How the fight occurred? Who came up with the idea about how to stop it? Or who, who kind of got in charge and was able to end the violence?
2: Is it like Franklin or something?
1: Yeah, it's Franklin. Franklin came up with the idea like Hey Johnny, burned the toys, and he animated a big purple dinosaur to go after Arcade. Yeah, they got it all wrapped up. Did you Did you like this comic? Did you like the fight that was going on here? If I was okay. What about the other part of the book? Reditched his kid so that he could talk with his new science class. And what did they come up?
2: They came up with a nice gift for Thing, which I actually didn't know that this was <laughs> a thing. <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> well, that's. That's a good point. Whereas Reed Richards and Sue Storm and Johnny Storm, they they all have their powers. Sue can turn invisible. She has force fields. Johnny can turn flame on. He can use fire. Reed can stretch.
2: They all have control. And I thought... The thing had control, but he just chooses not to do that.
1: Nope, he has always been stuck inside the big rocky form.
2: Which, that's kind of sad, honestly. Yes, it is.
1: That's been the major storyline for Ben Grimm for the entire run of the Fantastic Four, is he is stuck as this giant rocky thing. What's the first thing these kids do? They fix that problem. Well, sort of.
2: Yeah, it's kind of funny, though. Like, Reed has never been able to do this... Mm -hmm. And suddenly, like, a bunch of kids are like, hey, we know what to do. And they fix him for, like, once a month or something. I don't know.
1: It's basically one week out of a year. Yeah. Which is not great, but it's better than what it is, right? Yeah. So pretty nice way to end this issue. Kind of interesting to see what happens next, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. Any other questions about this issue? I don't think so. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time, Carrie.
2: You're welcome. I love you. Love you too.
0: Ah, now that cleanses the palate. Thank you, Carrie.
1: Shoutout time! We like to recognize those listeners that take time to write in or leave us a review. And this is for episode one hundred and sixteen, where we covered Wolverine number thirty-seven and New Warriors Annual number one. Al
0: Sedano and his podcast Resurrections, and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Brenda Parsons, Clinton Robeson, and his podcast Coffee and Comics and Fan Film Fridays. Gene Hendricks. Hoover, Jeremiah, and his show, Four Million Years Later. Jeremy Daw. Jeremy Wiggins. June Brigman. Max Traver. Sean Wynn. Tim Price, the podcrasher, and his show, The Outcasters. And Zeb Oswald.
1: We also like to thank those fantastic people that give us money to do this show on our Patreon. Please be like them and join us. We got more comics that we review on there. We review all the alternate world stuff. It's a lot of fun. There's like a lot of content there. Check it out. And thank you very much to adorably astonishing and
0: amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging cheesy and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones exciting energetic and entertaining edward
1: Veroci. intelligent interesting and innovative Isaac Perry Justing, joking, and jovial Jeff Polier Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Da Muscly, mighty,
0: and meticulous Matthew Birdsey Mythical and magnificent, monologuing Matthew Laserwitz, Rudely rhyming and running Rustin Fritcher Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews Strange and stirringly steady Stephen Gray Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price Technically terrific and triumphant Toddy Knock. Way, way wordy and wobbly waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky wind. Next issue, we are going to skip some issues because Alex is not in them, so why bother? And we will be covering Fantastic Four, Volume 1, Number 584. Be sure to check out the other shows that we are on, including
1: my wonderful monthly Monday movie muckabout on the Longbox Crusade Podcast Network.
0: And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack.
1: Jeff and Rick Present is a bi self-produced podcast working in front of a live studio audience of one broken chair because I sat on it and apparently I am very heavy in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present. Our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present. Our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com or at our website, jeffandrickpresent.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick
0: Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please
1: rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media.
0: And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We We love love you. you. Until next time. Costumes Costumes off. off.
1: Our theme music is 80s Action by Kevin MacLeod. Also featured in this episode is The Zone by Sasha Ende. All music is founded in CompTech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license.
0: Let's distill the convo between the father and son. Let me do that again, because the door closed. Wham! The world's most annoying nerd who likes to create overly complicated Myrtle... Myrtle? Myrtle? Myrtle Beach castles? Myrtle Beach sand castles. How delightful. Wham! Arcade, rapidly pressing buttons, calls for more murder, as the fists and pl... Okay, get it all out. Yep, that's... Wow. Even a fifth. Okay. We're on a six. Arcade, rapidly pushing... Arcade, ooh. Ooh, it pairs well with this beer, which means poorly. Oh, boy, howdy.
1: You know, <laughs> you had her farting <laughs> on you, dude. It's your fault.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it, uh, she's sitting on my lap, and so when you got a toot, you got a toot. Ain't that right?
2: Wham. Well, I mean,
1: extraterrestrial physiolog I mean, extraterrestrial philosoph-
0: physiology. physiology. Wham. Well. My bad. Backup rubber and glue moment is an on my backup best. uh, We're going to get it. I'm going to put the words together. I'm going to get past dishonorable Phil and Vunk.